0: chapter twenty-eighth of the heart of midlothian by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines Salt Lake city utah i did send for thee that talbot's name might be in thee revived when sapless age and weak unable limbs should bring thy father to his drooping chair but o oh, malignant and ill-boding stars first part of henry the sixth duncan and his party had not proceeded very far in the direction of the caird's cove before they heard a shot which was quickly followed by one or two others some tamed villains among the roe deer said duncan look sharp out lads the clash of swords was next heard and duncan and his myrmidons hastening to the spot found butler and sir george staunton's servant in the hands of four ruffians sir george himself lay stretched on the ground with his drawn sword in his hand duncan who was as brave as a lion instantly fired his pistol at the leader of the band unsheathed his sword cried out to his men claymore and run his weapon through the body of the fellow whom he had previously wounded who was no other than Donacha du na himself the other banditti were speedily overpowered excepting one young lad who made wonderful resistance for his years and was at length secured with difficulty butler so soon as he was liberated from the ruffians ran to raise sir george staunton but life had wholly left him a great misfortune said duncan i think it will be past that i go forward to intimate it to the coot lady Tavy, my dear you have smelled palther for the first time this day take my sword and hack off Donacha's head Wilk will pe coot practice for you against the time you may wish to do the same kindness to a living gentleman, or hold as your father does not approve you may leave it alone as he will pe a greater object of satisfaction to letty staunton to see him entire and i hope she will do me the credit to believe that I can avenge a gentleman's blood very speedily and well. Such was the observation of a man too much accustomed to the ancient state of manners in the highlands to look upon the issue of such a skirmish as anything worthy of wonder or emotion. We will not attempt to describe the very contrary effect which the unexpected disaster produced upon lady staunton when the bloody corpse of her husband was brought to the house where she expected to meet him alive and well all was forgotten but that he was the lover of her youth and whatever were his faults to the world that he had towards her exhibited only those that arose from the inequality of spirits and temper incident to a situation of unparalleled difficulty in the vivacity of her grief she gave way to all the natural irritability of her temper shriek followed shriek and swoon succeeded to swoon it required all Jeanie's watchful affection to prevent her from making known in these paroxysms of affliction much which it was of the highest importance that she should keep secret at length silence and exhaustion succeeded to frenzy and jeanie stole out to take counsel with her husband and to exhort him to anticipate the captain's interference by taking possession in lady staunton's name of the private papers of her deceased husband to the utter astonishment of butler she now for the first time explained the relation betwixt herself and lady staunton which authorized nay demanded that he should prevent any stranger from being unnecessarily made acquainted with her family affairs it was in such a crisis that jeanne's active and undaunted habits of virtuous exertion were most conspicuous while the captain's attention was still engaged by a prolonged refreshment and a very tedious examination in gaelic and english of all the prisoners and every other witness of the fatal transaction she had the body of her brother-in-law undressed and properly disposed it then appeared from the crucifix the beads and the shirt of hair which he wore next his person that his sense of guilt had induced him to receive the dogmata of a religion which pretends by the maceration of the body to expiate the crimes of the soul in the packet of papers which the express had brought to sir george staunton from edinburgh and which butler authorized by his connection with the deceased did not scruple to examine he found new and astonishing intelligence which gave him reason to thank god he had taken that measure ratcliffe to whom all sorts of misdeeds and misdoers were familiar instigated by the promised reward soon found himself in a condition to trace the infant of these unhappy parents the woman to whom meg Murdixon had sold that most unfortunate child had made it the companion of her wanderings and her beggary until he was about seven or eight years old when as ratcliffe learned from a companion of hers then in the correction house of edinburgh she sold him in her turn to donachia du nadanay this man to whom no act of mischief was unknown was occasionally an agent in a horrible trade then carried on betwixt scotland and america for supplying the plantations with servants by means of kidnapping as it was termed both men and women but especially children under age here ratcliffe lost sight of the boy but had no doubt but Donacha do could give an account of him the gentleman of the law so often mentioned dispatched therefore an express with a letter to sir george staunton and another covering a warrant for apprehension of Donacha, with instructions to the captain of knockdunder to exert his utmost energy for that purpose possessed of this information and with a mind agitated by the most gloomy apprehensions butler now joined the captain and obtained from him with some difficulty a sight of the examinations these with a few questions to the elder of the prisoners soon confirmed the most dreadful of butler's anticipations we give the heads of the information without descending into minute details donachydoux had indeed purchased effie's unhappy child with the purpose of selling it to the american traders whom he had been in the habit of supplying with human flesh but no opportunity occurred for some time and the boy who was known by the name of the whistler made some impression on the heart and affections even of this rude savage perhaps because he saw in him flashes of a spirit as fierce and vindictive as his own when donajah struck or threatened him a very common occurrence he did not answer with complaints and entreaties like other children but with oaths and efforts at revenge he had all the wild merit too by which Wagger Wolf's arrow-bearing page won the hard heart of his master like a wild cub Reared at the ruffian's feet he could say biting jests bold ditties sing and quaff his foaming bumper at the board with all the mockery of a little man ethwald in short as donna do, said the whistler was a born imp of satan and therefore he should never leave him accordingly from his eleventh year forward he was one of the band and often engaged in acts of violence the last of these was more immediately occasioned by the researches which the whistler's real father made after him whom he had been taught to consider as such donicheddu's fears had been for some time excited by the strength of the means which began now to be employed against persons of his description he was sensible he existed only by the precarious indulgence of his namesake duncan of knockdunder who was used to boast that he could put him down or string him up when he had a mind he resolved to leave the kingdom by means of one of those sloops which were engaged in the traffic of his old kidnapping friends and which was about to sail for america but he was desirous first to strike a bold stroke the ruffian's cupidity was excited by the intelligence that a wealthy englishman was coming to the manse he had neither forgotten the whistler's report of the gold he had seen in lady staunton's purse nor his old vow of revenge against the minister and to bring the whole to a point he conceived the hope of appropriating the money which according to the general report of the country the minister was to bring from edinburgh to pay for his pew purchase while he was considering how he might best accomplish his purpose he received the intelligence from one quarter that the vessel in which he proposed to sail was to sail immediately from greenock from another that the minister and a rich english lord with a great many thousand pounds were expected the next evening at the manse and from a third that he must consult his safety by leaving his ordinary haunts as soon as possible for that the captain had ordered out a party to scour the glens for him at break of day Donnacha laid his plans with promptitude and decision he embarked with the whistler and two others of his band whom by the by, he meant to sell to the kidnappers and set sail for the caird's cove he intended to lurk till nightfall in the wood adjoining to this place which he thought was too near the habitation of men to excite the suspicion of duncan Nock then break into butler's peaceful habitation and flush at once his appetite for plunder and revenge when his villainy was accomplished his boat was to convey him to the vessel which according to previous agreement with the master was instantly to set sail this desperate design would probably have succeeded but for the ruffians being discovered in their lurking-place by sir george Stoughton and butler in their accidental walk from the caird's cove towards the manse finding himself detected and at the same time observing that the servant carried a casket or strong-box donatje conceived that both his prize and his victims were within his power and attacked the travellers without hesitation shots were fired and swords drawn on both sides sir george staunton offered the bravest resistance till he fell as there was too much reason to believe by the hand of a son so long sought and now at length so unhappily met while butler was half stunned with this intelligence the hoarse voice of knop Dunder added to his consternation i will take the liberty to take down the pell ropes mr butler as i must be taking order to hang these idle people up to-morrow morning to teach them more consideration in their doings in future butler entreated him to remember the act abolishing the heritable jurisdictions and that he ought to send them to glasgow or inverary to be tried by the circuit duncan scorned the proposal the jurisdiction act he said had nothing to do but with the rebels and specially not with Argyle's country and he would hang the men up all three in one row before coote Letty staunton's windows which would be a great comfort to her in the morning to see that the coote gentleman her husband had been suitably avenged and the utmost length that butler's most earnest entreaties could prevail was that he would reserve the trois pig carls for the circuit but as for him they called the fussler he should try how he could fussle in a swinging toe for it should be said that a gentleman friend to the duke was killed in his country and his people didna take at least twa lives for one butler entreated him to spare the victim for his soul's sake but knocked under answered that the soul of such a scum had been long the Tuffle's property and that cot tam he was determined to gif the Tuffle his due all persuasion was in vain and duncan issued his mandate for execution on the succeeding morning the child of guilt and misery was separated from his companions strongly pinioned and committed to a separate room of which the captain kept the key in the silence of the night however mrs butler arose resolved if possible to avert at least to delay the fate which hung over her nephew especially if upon conversing with him she should see any hope of his being brought to better temper she had a master-key that opened every lock in the house and at midnight when all was still she stood before the eyes of the astonished young savage as hard bound with cords he lay like a sheep designed for slaughter upon a quantity of the refuge of flax which filled a corner in the apartment amid features sunburnt tawny grimed with dirt and obscured by his shaggy hair of a rusted black color jeanie tried in vain to trace the likeness of either of his very handsome parents yet how could she refuse compassion to a creature so young and so wretched so much more wretched than even he himself could be aware of since the murder he had too probably committed with his own hand but in which he had at any rate participated was in fact a parasite she placed food on a table near him raised him and slacked the cords on his arms so as to permit him to feed himself he stretched out his hands still smeared with blood perhaps that of his father and he ate voraciously and in silence what is your first name said jeanie by way of opening the conversation the whistler but your christian name by which you were baptized i never was baptized that i know of i have no other name than the whistler poor unhappy abandoned lad said jeanie what would ye do if you could escape from this place and the death you are to die to-morrow morning join with rob roy or with sergeant moore cameron noted freebooters at that time and revenge donich's death on all and sundry o oh, ye unhappy boy said Jeanie, do ye ken what will come of ye when ye die i shall neither feel cold nor hunger more said the youth doggedly to let him be execute in this dreadful state of mind would be to destroy both body and soul and to let him gang i dare not what will be done but he is my sister's son my own nephew our flesh and blood and his hands and feet are yoked as tight as cords can be drawn whistler do the cords hurt you very much but if i were to slacken them you would harm me no i would not you never harmed me or mine there may be good in him yet thought jeanie i will try fair play with him she cut his bonds he stood upright looked round with a laugh of wild exultation clapped his hands together and sprung from the ground as if in transport on finding himself at liberty he looked so wild that jeanie trembled at what she had done let me out said the young savage i wanna unless you promise then i'll make you glad to let us both out he seized the lighted candle and threw it among the flax which was instantly in a flame jeanie screamed and ran out of the room the prisoner rushed past her threw open a window in the passage jumped into the garden sprung over its enclosure bounded through the woods like a deer and gained the seashore meantime the fire was extinguished but the prisoner was sought in vain as jeanie kept her own secret the share she had in his escape was not discovered but they learned his fate some time afterwards it was as wild as his life had hitherto been the anxious inquiries of butler at length learned that the youth had gained the ship in which his master Donacha had designed to embark but the avaricious shipmaster inured by his evil trade to every species of treachery and disappointed of the rich booty which Donacha had proposed to bring aboard secured the person of the fugitive and having transported him to america sold him as a slave or indented servant to a virginia planter far up the country when these tidings reached butler he sent over to america a sufficient sum to redeem the lad from slavery with instructions that measures should be taken for improving his mind restraining his evil propensities and encouraging whatever good might appear in his character but this aid came too late the young man had headed a conspiracy in which his inhumane master was put to death and had then fled to the next tribe of wild indians he was never more heard of and it may therefore be presumed that he lived and died after the manner of that savage people with whom his previous habits had well fitted him to associate all hopes of the young man's reformation being now ended mr and mrs butler thought it could serve no purpose to explain to lady staunton a history so full of horror she remained their guest more than a year during the greater part of which period her grief was excessive in the latter months it assumed the appearance of listlessness and low spirits which the monotony of her sister's quiet establishment afforded no means of dissipating effie from her earliest youth was never formed for a quiet low content far different from her sister she required the dissipation of society to divert her sorrow or enhance her joy she left the seclusion of noctrility with tears of sincere affection and after heaping its inmates with all she could think of that might be valuable in their eyes but she did leave it and when the anguish of the parting was over her departure was a relief to both sisters the family at the man's of noctrility in their own quiet happiness heard of the well-dowered and beautiful lady staunton resuming her place in the fashionable world they learned it by more substantial proofs for david received a commission and as the military spirit of bible butler seemed to have revived in him his good behaviour qualified the envy of five hundred young highland cadets come of good houses who were astonished at the rapidity of his promotion reuben followed the law and rose more slowly yet surely euphemia butler whose fortune augmented by her aunt's generosity and added to her own beauty rendered her no small prize married a highland laird who never asked the name of her grandfather and was loaded on the occasion with presents from lady staunton which made her the envy of all the beauties in dumbarton and argyle shires after blazing nearly ten years in the fashionable world and hiding like many of her compeers an aching heart with a gay demeanour after declining repeated offers of the most respectable kind for a second matrimonial engagement lady staunton betrayed the inward wound by retiring to the continent and taking up her abode in the convent where she had received her education she never took the veil but lived and died in severe seclusion and in the practice of the roman catholic religion in all its formal observances vigils and austerities jeanie had so much of her father's spirit as to sorrow bitterly for this apostasy and butler joined in her regret yet any religion however imperfect he said was better than cold skepticism or the hurrying din of dissipation which fills the ears of worldlings until they care for none of these things meanwhile happy in each other in the prosperity of their family and the love and honor of all who knew them this simple pair lived beloved and died lamented End of chapter twenty-eighth end of The Heart of Midlothian by Sir Walter Scott